listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you save your marriage no matter where you are, whether you're from the start or in a tough spot. Either one, we're here to help you. I'm here to guide you through the process by understanding the mindset, the techniques, the method to move forward. Now, just to kind of point to this, whether you're on the beginning end or at a tough spot, I want you to understand one main component. The way you fix a marriage is also the way you maintain a marriage. Sometimes I talk with people who've used my Save the Marriage system, and they get to the place where their marriage, you know, is going pretty well. And they go, okay, so what do I do now? What, what do I change? What do I stop? And then I point out the fact that many of the things I talk about, I do with my wife currently, even though we're not at a tough spot. Uh, because what is the main piece of a functioning relationship? For you to be growing and for there to be connection in the relationship. To honor the commitment is kind of the overarching piece but those pieces that help to uh, help you grow and also nurture the connection are things that both repair a relationship and maintain a relationship. That's why we can do it from the beginning of a relationship or even before to the very end. I have lots of people who over the years have commented that they wish it was mandatory that people who were getting ready to get married would read my Save the Marriage system because it has in it the way, the secrets to getting to have a great marriage. That's, that's what it's designed to do. So if you've been with me, you know that we're in the middle of a series or kind of just have started a new series. And that new series is about the lies about marriage, the marriage lies that get your relationship into trouble. This is lie number two. Last week, I talked about the first lie, and it's a big one. This is the one that probably the doozy last time was if you have to work at it, something's wrong. You know, if we're having to work at this relationship, obviously, it's not the right thing. I cover that last week. You can find that in the last episode of the podcast, or you can go to Medium, and you'll, you can find an article at medium.com that posts about that very issue. And I wanted to bring in the second one this week. The second one is, I think, a fairly new development, not meaning just the last few years, but over the last couple of generations, it's been growing. And in the last maybe generation and a half, it's accelerated. And I think it's one of the reasons why we've also seen the acceleration of the divorce rate. Now, obviously, part of that acceleration was changes in the legal process, but there is a reason that we had to change the legal process because so many people wanted to get through a divorce. And so what's behind that? Well, today, this is one of the big ones. There is this belief, and this is the lie, my spouse should meet all of my needs. That's it. That's a big one. My spouse should meet all of my needs. So let's go back in time. There was a time when what a marriage was about was teaming up to get through life. And sure, if love came out of that, that's great. But in the beginning, that was secondary to the fact that it took survivors, people to survive. You know, if you're farming, it's a lot easier to farm that land if there are two people plus the offspring who help. If you're a baker, it's sure helpful to have two bakers plus the offspring to help. Basically, it was a unification of resources, 
And this was even true in, you know, when you got to the royalty weddings, where it was really bringing in resources and keeping the resources together and uniting different pieces. So there was a method to survival that was there. It wasn't about love. That was secondary. Over the years, that has shifted to the point where that is primary. So in the process, there's been more and more of an emphasis on what am I getting from my spouse? And part of what that gets to is what happens that gets a marriage into trouble. In the beginning, you're desperate to show this person how much you care about them because you want them to know and you want it reciprocated. I mean, that's, that's part of that courting process where you're showering the other person with all the attention and, and trying to do everything you can to make sure that they feel loved. And what happens is that people get to the point where they're ready to get married and they get married because they love this other person. And so they're basically saying, I don't want to marry you because I love you. Then they get married and suddenly there's a flip-flop. And at that point, it begins to be, how are you loving me? What am I getting out of this relationship? That's the root of the problem. So there's this background belief that a spouse should be able to meet all your needs. That's kind of the myth of having that soulmate. And let me tell you why that's a myth. There is a place where you're going to connect with people, but if we have this belief that I found my soulmate, built into that is that they have to be perfect. They have to perfectly meet your needs. That's the soulmate piece. And so it may be that you've met the exact right person, but the pressure exerted on the relationship begins to overwhelm the relationship. So as you're beginning to try to figure out where this lie is wrong, where it maybe it is right and I'm, I'm telling you something that's a lie, let me ask you just to listen through my uh, argument against this lie and see where you end up at the end. So you probably have uh, heard the line, you complete me. You know, it's from a movie, and those words were considered to be this very romantic gesture, you complete me. I want to just kind of point out that for somebody to complete you, you have to be incomplete, which means that the relationship is a needs-based relationship. From the very beginning, if that's what you carry forward, it's a needs-based. You complete me. I needed something to complete me. And now I have it, so now I'm full, I'm whole, but you've got to keep giving me that. And so that also means that you're not ever going to be whole without the other person. And here's the problem. What happens when they're not able to completely meet your needs as you see them at that point? Now, before you say, so there shouldn't be any needs meeting, right? Sometimes when we run up against something and somebody says, well, that's a lie, we try to go to the opposite. We try to disprove with the opposite, and usually the, the opposite is just as much a lie. So if you say, my spouse should meet all of my needs, the opposite is not true either, that your spouse should meet none of your needs. The fact is that we all have needs, emotional needs, connection needs, physical needs. The question is whether a spouse is capable of meeting all of your needs, and if there's something wrong in the relationship, if that doesn't happen. The lie is based in the fact that there must be something wrong if that all of your needs are not being met. So yes, of course you have needs. 
And there are lots of relationships that are caught up in emotional impoverishment. They don't nurture each other's connection enough. But part of the reason that's happening is that each person is waiting for the other person to meet their needs rather than it being a joint effort to meet some of each other's needs, to find a place where we bridge the gap. Which brings me to the fact that if you think that there is a place where you have to be completed, you're creating a gap relationship. You're looking for somebody to fill that gap. So if I feel incomplete and I need somebody to complete me, that's a gap relationship that I'm looking to have that need met. I'm looking for somebody to bring something to me that I don't have myself. That's different than the fact that relationships are part of what we need as humans. In your very wiring, in your DNA, there is that need for connection. I mean, if you look around at other animal groups, when the babies are born, the parents are long gone or don't care for them, don't take care of them. And even in mammals, sometimes that time where uh, the babies are cared for is very short before they're off on their own and have to defend themselves. We humans have a very long connection with our parents where it takes a very long time before we're independent because there's so much of the skill set that we have to learn. So as a part of that, we are in a bonding process that we humans bond as a way of, of getting to that place. Our bonding is what's pretty unique about humans as, as a race, as, as a creature, as, a, as an animal. So that is a place where the marriage has. As I've talked about, connection is the lifeblood of a relationship. So hear me say, I'm not saying that you can do without the connection. That is absolutely a necessary inborn piece of you. It's when we look for every need to get met through a spouse that we get into trouble. I was talking with a a couple, it's been a while now, but a while back, and one of them was telling me that, you know, their spouse was just not stepping up to the plate. And uh, I asked what that meant. I thought maybe they had not been dividing up, you know, the household duties very well. And this person said, oh, it has nothing to do with that. Yeah, my spouse does plenty at home, but they're not stepping up to the plate. And what this person told me is that they needed somebody who would be active with them doing their exact activities that they like to do, that would always go with them and shop and be the person that they could you know, tell every detail of their day to and be the person who uh, they could um, you know, have fun with and laugh with and, and all of these things. And I said, tell me about that before you got married, before you met each other. How did that happen? And this person said, oh, I had, and she named off about five different friends that were specifically there. One was her movie partner. Another person was the let's go have fun and just cut loose partner. The other one was the let me tell you how awful things are partner. You know, she had somebody for everything. She had a partner who played tennis with her. And, and so all of these other people in her life were then supposed to merge into one person who was supposed to be capable of all of those things. And he looked at me and he said, I've never been very lighthearted. I've never liked tennis. But I do like for us to talk about our day. And in the process, we begin to unwind that she had this belief running in her that when she got married, all the friends were rendered useless, unnecessary, because now it was his 
responsibility to meet those needs. And as we were talking through that, he said, I never realized that was what I was signing up for. In fact, there were several things that he had no idea he wasn't doing. Because you see, she also believed another piece of this lie, that if you loved me and this was the right relationship, you would know what I needed. You would meet my needs automatically. That's a subset of this very same lie. So where is the problem? Let's say that you meet somebody and you go, wow, they've been meeting all of my needs. What happens in that gap relationship when your needs change? Or if that's true with the other spouse, maybe your spouse, you've met all of your spouse's needs. What happens when their need changes? And when people find each other and they decide that they're going to move forward together because there is the gap that's being filled by their spouse, what happens when that gap is no longer true? Then we're in trouble because it's need-based. The shifts happen through our life. We have a shift about what we need in life many, many times. Now, let me be clear again. We do have that innate need for connection. And a great place for lots of those needs for connection to be met are in a marriage. The question is whether that one person can meet every one of those needs for connection, whether that's the place. What often happens is that this need for connection, instead of in general, like my spouse and I are connected, we have a physical, emotional, and spiritual connection, we begin to be very specific, like you're not meeting this particular connection need. You you don't want to hear every detail of my day, or you don't want to hear the funniest stories I'm reading off the internet, or whatever it is that maybe it's in there, but it's a very specific piece. At that point it kind of breaks down. We get into trouble because the you didn't meet this need is different than the we can work on the connection. Now, let's trade back and forth though. You can ask the question, when are you going to meet my needs? What am I getting out of this? Why aren't you meeting my needs? Or you could turn that around and work from the other approach. How can I meet my spouse's needs? I just want you to imagine for a minute. If two people had that as their goal, I am trying to meet my spouse's needs. Not that you're going to be perfect at it, but that's your goal. How would that change rather than asking the question, why isn't my spouse meeting my needs? One is from a place of, of giving outward, of, of, of giving in abundance, and the other isn't about scarcity, about what I'm not getting in that. So are we contributing or are we taking? Are we giving or are we pulling? Those are the questions that we can kind of switch this lie. So it is absolutely 100% true that you cannot meet 100% of the needs of your spouse, nor can your spouse meet 100% of your needs. But that doesn't change the goal of trying to meet the needs of your spouse. But what does that require? It requires us to be open and transparent about what those needs are, to at least make the request. 
Now, let me be clear. Just because you make a request doesn't mean that suddenly your spouse has to or can meet that need. But if you don't make that request, the chances are pretty low it won't happen. Jack Canfield says that everything's a no until you ask. It may still be a no on the other side of it, but there's a possibility of a yes. But if you're not talking about what you're needing, you're not talking about what you would like in the relationship, it's very hard to make that shift. As I've watched, when people believe this lie, they're not talking much about what their needs are. And if they are, they take offense to the fact that their spouse says, I'm not capable of that, at least right now. So part of what happens in this lie is it makes us believe that it should just happen. It just should be there. So what do we do about this? Well, first of all, let's talk a little bit about an underlying danger. If you believe that your spouse should meet all of your needs, you're living in the world of expectation. I expect my spouse to do this, which is very different than if you move to the place where you're trying to work together to meet each other's needs by agreement. So an expectation, an expectation is kind of a ground floor. And this is the problem. Whenever we have expectations in relationship, it's a losing proposition every time, whether it is with your kids or with your spouse or with your parents or with your siblings or with your coworkers or your friends or anyone else, expectations are a pathway to trouble. If you have agreements, that's a very different thing because agreements are spoken. Agreements have both people on board. Expectations come from one person to the other. So what's wrong with an expectation? It never exceeds zero. Think about that for a minute. Let's say I say to you, I expect you to do this. And you do this. You've only made it to my zero mark. You've made it to the ground floor. If you don't do that, you fail. So you never exceed my expectation at that point. Let's take it with parenting. Let's say you say to your child, you know, you you need to be home by midnight tonight. And let's say your child comes in at 9 p.m., right? Three hours ahead of time. Well, they met your expectation, which was to be in before you know, noon, midnight, that, that, was, that was the expectation. So they met the expectation. But let's say they come in at five after 12. Now they have failed to meet the expectation, right? So it's either fail or get to zero. That's not particularly satisfying. Same with a spouse. I expect you to do these things. If a spouse does those things, even if they do exceptionally well at those things, they've met the expectation, zero. If they don't do those things, they have failed. And that's the problem with these hidden needs, whether they're spoken as expectations or they just are unspoken expectations. It's only going to get people to zero. If we have an agreement, let's say I sit down and say, you know what, this is really what I need in a relationship. And my spouse says, okay, yeah, I'm, I can do that. We can, we can figure out a way to do that. And we talk it through and we agree on that. Now we're very clear about what that looks like. If it doesn't happen, we can revisit and I can say, hey, I thought you had agreed to this. What's happening with that? We have a place to move from. And it doesn't feel like I'm the one demanding. We've come to an agreement about that. So 
when you're moving away from expectations, one of the things you have to step into is personal responsibility. The fact that you are responsible for making sure your needs are met in healthy and appropriate ways. And if you recognize that it's missing from your relationship, to wonder about how to get there, to think about and talk about, to find an agreement on how that might happen. And again, remember, you can bring it up to a spouse and your spouse might say, I can't do that. It's, it's not something I'm, I'm able to do at this point. And it might be at this point or it might be ever, right? So the question is the space between what I need and what I have between a couple. What do I need? What do I have? And that's a conversation. Brene Brown talks about the fact that she and her husband have this 100% rule. And it's on a daily rule. So let's say that Brene Brown comes in, and as you know, as you probably know, and if not, you need to find Brene. She is a great person to follow, to learn about shame, responsibility, and lots of other great things. But Brene Brown says that if she comes in, maybe she's been on a tour or doing something, she's just exhausted. She can turn to her husband and say, hey, I've got like 30%. Now, her husband, who is a busy doctor, may look at her and say, Hey, no problem. I've got 70%. I got us covered, right? We're now at 100. I'll I'll pick up the slacks. I'll I'll take care of the kids. I'll take care of the food. I'll take up the slack. I've got the 70. Let's say she comes in and says, hey, I'm at 40. And he says, yeah, I've only got 40. It's now below 100. They don't have everything they need to make it through the day. That 20% gap, they then say, okay, how do we deal with this gap? How do we deal with this right now? Maybe they decide to order out for dinner. Maybe they decide to sit down and watch Netflix with the kids. Maybe they decided everybody's going to bed early. Maybe your husband comes in and says, hey, you know, it's been a really tough day. I've got like 20%. At that point, Brene can say, hey, I've got 80. I've got us covered, right? It can go both ways. But the fact is that they're very clear about what they're able to bring to the relationship and in this case, to the family at that point, and they recognize that if there's a gap, they need to have some agreement on how to fill it. This is true for couples too. Maybe you've been waiting for that moment to have this long conversation and your spouse has had a horrible day and can't have that long conversation, but you feel that the need should be met and so you charge ahead. You've already created the disaster just in the elements of that. There's not enough to get beyond that gap. And so part of our task is to make sure that as we're moving forward, we find ways of having conversations about what the resources are that we're willing to do, we're willing to give, we're willing to move forward with. We've got to make sure it's the adequate amount. One of the things that I think uh, kind of makes some sense I've put into my system is the fact that we usually find somebody who is our complement and this is where sometimes opposites attract or maybe where your strength is an other person's weakness and your weakness is the other person's strength. And so you work together to complete a common whole. That's complementarity. And that's not the same as being complete. So be clear about that. We're always going to have gaps in our relationship and in what both of us bring collectively. 
You may recognize sometime after the fact that you look back on how your parents parented you and you go, wow, you know, the two of them together, they didn't do this, right? There's always some point when we can look for the deficit because there's always going to be a deficit. There's always going to be a gap. And maybe at some point as you're parenting, you realize that's always the case. There have been a number of times over my parenting life now that I've called my parents and said, hey, I'm sorry. (laughs) And sometimes they didn't even know what I was sorry for, but maybe I was upset about something, how they had dealt with something uh, in my childhood. And I realized they were doing the best they could with every resource they had. And the fact is that we always are a little bit short on resources of some sort in our life. We don't have everything down. Not even if you have a good relationship together, are you going to be able to cover all the bases? But what happens if we decide to realize that both people are doing the best they can, to realize it within ourselves that you're going to do the best you can, to step up and try to look for the needs you can meet, and then recognize that your spouse can't meet all of your needs? Then you can begin to have a conversation about how that fits together in specifics. The trouble here is the lie. The lie is that your spouse should meet all of your needs. The reality is there are always going to be gaps. That it takes more than one person to get us all the way through. But we have to find ways of filling it in in appropriate and healthy ways. Transparency is what helps with the spouse when we work to get to an agreement. Look for the places where you can come together and build something stronger, but don't fall for the lie. If this has been helpful, please check out my system at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. And this is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.